Well, I'd like to tell you that there is a right way to make banoffee pie and a wrong way. And um, I have done both. And the right way leads to really brilliant, lovely results. This gooey caramel over these lovely bananas and that gorgeous whipped cream on top. Anyway, if you like puddings, it's good. The wrong way, I um, don't know what I did really, but um, I made this banoffee pie and I put it in the fridge and out it came for pudding after a Sunday service when we'd invited some families from church over for dinner in our old parish. And as Richard went to cut into the banoffee pie, I immediately knew there was something wrong as I saw a kind of strain on his face as he attempted to carve into rock-solid caramel. It was not going to work. I looked embarrassed, apologised, and brought out the yogurts and the fruit bowl and said, oh, there, there, don't worry. This family said, oh, no, it's okay, Nicola. It's all right. We'll try it. Richard's managed to cut some pieces. (laughs) This family sat and attempted to eat this banoffee pie. I don't know what they were thinking. The teenage son started holding it up to the sunlight to try and melt it on his fork. And to my huge embarrassment, as a teenage girl bit into it, her train track braces cracked. And the dad had to take an entire day off work on Monday to take her to emergency orthodontist treatment. It was awful. There's a right way to make banoffee pie and a wrong way that sets us on a course of disaster. Well, these passages in Matthew are all about a right way and a wrong way. And in chapter 5, the concentration has been on our ethical life, if you like. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Live rightly by God. Even be better than the Pharisees. Don't just do these things. Don't just not murder. But don't even think angry thoughts. Deal with these things straight away before the Lord. Live right. So we're to live right ethically. And now in chapter 6, the whole chapter goes on to talk about the right way and the wrong way to be religious in our religious life. And there are three things that get tackled in this passage. Firstly, giving, then prayer, and then fasting. It's really important to note that um, the passage doesn't debate whether we should be doing these things, but assumes that we are. And just very simply, that as we do them, there's a right way to do them and a wrong way. And so we're told when we practice um, giving, praying and fasting, we're not to be like the hypocrites. And if you look at verse 2, 5, 16 and 5 and 16, you get this kind of, don't be like the hypocrites. Well, in the Greek language, the word hypocrite actually kind of related to the kind of play actor. That's where the word came from. And the play actors at the time would uh, wear different masks. They'd come along and they'd put on different masks for the part they were playing. And Jesus is saying, don't be like a play actor, someone who wears a mask, who plays different roles at different times and in different places. We're not to be hypocrites. 
We're not to show one thing in public and something else in private. The message puts it like this. It says, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theatre, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. The play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching. Playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it, quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. And so there's a call to do things the right way. Not to draw attention to ourselves, but to be concerned about what our Heavenly Father thinks. Firstly, uh, we come to the first couple of verses, verse 2 and 3, and it talks about uh, giving. Give in such a way that's private and quiet, not drawing attention to ourselves. And in verse 3, we get this really strange verse. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And what it's sort of stressing is the secrecy in which you're to give. So much so that you yourself don't even really (laughs) realise what you're giving. Be so secret and private. It's a matter between you and the Lord. In fact, in Matthew 25, um, faithful Christians uh, say, uh, Jesus says to them, you know, you did give to me. And they said, we didn't give to you. Every time you looked after someone who was needy, you gave to me. Every time you clothed someone who needs clothing, you gave to me. And we're to be so generous as Christians, so giving to the poor and needy, that we don't necessarily realise all that we're doing. It's just to be part of us, part of a quiet activity we're doing all the time. And in fact, if you did look at our country, a lot's been written, you can go on the internet and see, but if Christians in our country stopped giving, things would look pretty bleak. Church, well done. Church so often has been at the forefront of sacrificial giving in our country. And folks today, let's just carry that on because God calls us to, to generously be giving. So it is a matter between you and God. But as a church leadership, we want to encourage all Jesus followers to be generous givers. And that will look different for everyone. There's never a judgment on you. Only the Lord and you know all of your finances. Only the Lord and you know the different strains on you. The times when perhaps you've had to pay for an elderly relative or help out a son or daughter. And financially, there's been a bit of a strain. God counts in equal measure the one pound that is given and the 10,000 pounds that are given. It's to do with each of us 
being honest before God with our finances and being generous with what we have. And that will look different for all of us and it will look different in different seasons in our lives. But we want to suggest to you, as the leadership here at the church, we want to encourage you to follow the biblical pattern that's given to us. And this is it. Biblically, we are to understand that everything we have belongs to God. And on that basis, we are to give generously. Yes, we encourage you to tithe, and we encourage you on top of that to give to the poor. We encourage you to be sacrificial in some way or another. Because our great Heavenly Father God is never outgiven. And the passage, as you go through it in several verses, tells you that the Lord will reward you for these things done in secret. Some of those rewards we're going to get to see now, but the passage talks about our heavenly Father. Some we won't get to see until we're in glory with him. But he is never outgiven, and he is going to reward you and I. And as a way of encouragement to you, because I don't find generous giving very easy. In fact, if I'm honest, I sometimes worry about my financial security, as I'm sure many of us do at times. And um, and I don't find it easy. And Richard's much, much better at it than I am. And so he was always encouraging me. And um, we had a season where we felt that um, we felt it was very right before the Lord to be giving away a large chunk of um, my salary, 80% of it away. And um, it was during a, a season that was very appropriate to do that. And as we did this, um, we kind of were living... Uh, Well, and we have so much, don't we, compared to so many people in our world that are poor. We have so much here. We have so much. Uh, Anyway, we got to a stage where we needed a new mattress for our bed, and um, we didn't really have uh, as much money in the bank as we might have liked at the time, and we needed a mattress for our bed, and we went shopping for a mattress. And we found an outlet store on the edge of Wolverhampton. Thought, you know, it's last season's second-hand fashion-type mattresses. That's fine. That We don't mind. It's just a mattress. And, uh, and we went in. And we had this incredible um, encounter with a wonderful Muslim man. We had a lovely chat about faith, about our differences in belief, and about giving. And we talked to him about Christian giving. And our understanding that all that we have belongs to God. And he talked to us about zakat, which is what they give, they're 2.5%. And then they are to give alms to the poor on top of that as well. And we had this incredible encounter and talk about faith and life and giving. And as he looked at me in the face, he said, take the mattress, it's yours. I want you to just have the mattress. So I did this whole, oh, you know, your wife will be upset with you, da-da-da, take some money, trying to do a bit of cultural kind of bargaining, and you know, we, we do have money, it's all right, we can pay for the mattress, da-da-da, take the mattress. And um, he drove to our house and dropped off the mattress and refused to take any money from us. And so I go to sleep, 
at night, and I try very hard, and I'm not good at it, folks, because I do worry, but I try very hard as I lie on my mattress to remember that the Lord is not outgiven, that he is able to provide for us and help us. Now, we're not, of course, to be foolish with our money. We have family responsibilities that need paying for. We need to plan and be sensible. We'll hear about not worrying like the, the birds of the field. Well, the birds, um, in, later on in Matthew, they, um, they do plan. They do build their nests. That's okay. But with what we have, let's ensure that we are being generous so that we know that the God in heaven is very pleased with us. The biggest uh, chunk of our passage is all about the right way to pray. Um, So whereas fasting and giving is a very, very private matter between us and God, prayer is to be both private and corporate. So in the first bit of those verses about prayer, we're told to go into a private place, to pray on our own, to our God in heaven who sees us. And then, from verses sort of 9 to 13, we suddenly get loads of plurals in what's famously known as the Lord's Prayer. Suddenly, it's about us. And in the Lord's Prayer, we get this fabulous example of the things we are to pray about when we come together corporately. And so prayer as an activity is to be both private and corporate. And there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. And again, it's very simple, really. It's about not drawing attention to ourselves. Well, at this point, you might want to breathe a sigh of relief, because, of course, we're not like those hypocrites. I haven't seen any of you shouting your prayers out on Chiswick High Road. We're all right, aren't we? That's okay. Phew, we've got that one down. Well, probably most of the time we have, and that's brilliant. Let's keep going. But let's just check ourselves too. You see, has there been a time when you've perhaps offered to pray for someone and you haven't really carried that through? Or a time when in a prayer meeting you've not so much been praying to God has been perhaps trying to sort of send a message to the other people that are in the room. Or times when in a service we may sing or pray the words but not engage with them. You see, hypocrisy is very prevalent in our culture. We don't want to lose face. And our competitive side or our people-pleasing side often mean that we're not totally honest with people about who we are. We often hide ourselves. And again, as Christians, our religious practice is to be transparently real. We aim in prayer to be honest before God and one another. Pray as you can, not as you can't. 
Pray knowing that you have a heavenly father who loves you, who's cheering for you, who in verse 8 knows exactly what you need before you ask him. This is a wonderful God who wants relationship with us. You know, children, when they ask a good father things, they don't fluff up what they're asking for. They just ask. They don't make big poetic speeches. They simply speak the words that come to them. They don't beat around the bush, but they ask directly. And say tea with us. Real, honest, unhypocritical prayer might look like a shout of uncertainty towards God. We may express frustration, anger and hurt. We may be exuberant in praise. Whatever it is, we're to be honest. We're to pray as we can, not as we can't. There's not time in this overview to look very closely at the Lord's Prayer. But why not start with that? Take it and pray it. Dwell on its words. Think about what it means. Praying brings us into relationship with God. And often through prayer, we receive much reward for having done it right here and right now. You see, often when we come together, well, God promises he's going to be there. So often we do get to feel his tangible peace, love and power. It's in prayer that our worries and fears melt away as life is put back into perspective. Our stress is relieved when we pray. It is in prayer that we learn to hear God's voice and gain purpose and direction for our lives. It is in prayer that we're set free from past pain and things that hold us back. It is in prayer that we gain genuine strength to get through the mountain of work that faces us. One of the very best things I did as I look back in reflection on my life is just before my A-level exams, the Easter holiday before them, um, everyone was going flat out, working really hard on revision. And I made a conscious decision to spend one week working really, really hard and the second week to go away on spring harvest. And um, I went with a friend of mine at school. It's the best thing I ever did. I know that that week spent where I wasn't really revising, I was spending it in prayer and worship, fed me through the next few months. It seems like a cost. It always seems like a cost to stop and pray. But you have no idea how much it will empower everything else you do. If you have a heavenly father in heaven who loves you, test him out on this one. Stop and pray. At church, we're encouraging you. Um, It might not be your scene, and that's okay. But come, come to the services you come to and corporately pray. Try the small groups. Try out the soak service. Whatever works for you. We know that life is busy, that finding a quiet moment in London is hard and challenging. But pray. Let's do it right. Let's be real before God. And finally, um, our last uh, little chunk is about fasting. 
And again, there's a right way to fast and a wrong way to fast. And the wrong way to fast is to go, around, I'm fasting, everybody. Look at me. Aren't I brilliant? I'm a wonderful Christian, you know. Thank you very much. There's a right way to fast. Again, it's a private thing before you and the Lord. And just what's really interesting here, and what I think is quite important for us culturally at this time, is um, on the study notes, there's an article you can look at which will explain this more. The rabbinic Pharisee people at the time were basically fasting two days a week. They would never fast for 24 hours, but they would have two light meals on those two days and skip lunch. And they fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. The Christians, the Jesus followers, who wanted to be different from the Pharisees and make a point, they ended up doing the same, but on Wednesdays and Fridays. Has anyone heard of the 5-2 diet? Yeah, a few people? It's very popular at the moment, and actually, there's a lot of health benefits to it. Well, the Christians and the Jewish people, they thought about it first, because actually God did. There's something in fasting sensibly that actually is very physically good for us. It gives our stomachs a rest. Um, Stops your liver producing, I'm not a doctor, someone help me, but it stops you producing too much something or other. Anyway, it's meant to be brilliant for you, and the article in the notes has all the good links for that. Um, But God only gives us things to do that he knows are good for us. So fasting is something to be done. And that 5-2 kind of idea, perhaps setting two days a week where you do something slightly different in them, just to help focus your mind on prayer, can be extremely helpful if that's how you use it. And of course today, there has always got to be a health warning. Because we live in a horrible uh, time where we put immense pressure on uh, both women and men to look a certain way. And there are many people around us, perhaps, that don't eat enough. Fasting is not about what we do or don't do with the food. It's about our motives. It's about what we're achieving by giving up something. It's that the giving up something is to turn our focus towards our Heavenly Father. And it prompts us. You can fast from food and it not lead you to your Heavenly Father. And again, it's about our motives. It's about the right way and the wrong way of doing things. And again, this is why it's a private matter between you and the Lord. It's because God knows you. He knows where you're at physically. And food fasting may not be appropriate for you at all at the moment. So what about not watching that soap opera once a week and reading your Bible and praying at that time? What might a fast look like for you? And for some of us, myself is included in this, it might be a bit of a challenge to think about the food thing. But there's a right way and a wrong way. There's a right way and a wrong way to make a banoffee pie. 
the results are very different. There's a right way and a wrong way to live the religious life. Let's keep pressing forward, church, in going the right way about these things. That our Heavenly Father's smile on his face is extended greatly as he looks upon us. As he loves to just graciously throw loads of rewards on us just because he wants to. Because he's gracious God and he loves you and I so much. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that our giving, our praying, and our fasting is a gift from you, Lord. It's a gift to do these things because it draws us closer to you. And you have so much love that you want to bestow upon each of us. And I pray, God, that as a church and as individuals, you would keep us moving forward in our religious life. Save us from any little bits of hypocrisy that might creep in and help us to be honest believers before you and before one another.